Praise God. All right. Well, we are still continuing on a uh, series that we began two weeks ago called God's Word on Healing. Why am I doing this series? Because I want more of you to walk in God's divine healing. That's why. You know, the, the heart of any pastor looks out across the congregation and sees the infirmities that some people deal with, and our hearts go out to them. And uh, so this is not just doctrine and theology, folks. I want this to be something that's practical application so that we can build our faith to walk more and more in God's healing power and his promises along those lines. Um, So today we're going to do a teaching called The Force of Faith in that same series. So go ahead and be turning to our master text, and we're going to read that here in a moment. And uh, as you're turning there, I I just want to warn you, I'm fired up today. I am. Um, And, you know, I I know that this series that we're on right now, I know I'm on the right track because we have made the religious demons mad. And I am not about to let up. And as a, yeah. As a matter of fact, I'm just getting warmed up. So let's go ahead, if you have found Mark 11, go ahead and stand up and let's honor the Word of God as it's being read. I'm going to read verses 11 and 12, and then we're going to jump down to verse 20. So verse 11 uh, says this, Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. Jump down to verse 20. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. And here's Jesus' answer. Have faith in God. And actually, I'm reading from the NIV. If you read the the more literal, like Young's literal, it it actually says, have the faith of God. Have the faith of God. That's actually the more accurate translation. Have the faith of God. Verse 23, I tell you the, the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And all God's people say, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Go ahead and have a seat. Well, you know, if that's not true, we've got a big problem. If those verses are not true, we've got a big problem, right? So we have to treat them as if they are true, and that's what we're going to explore today. Now, again, as the title of this teaching indicates, uh, we're going to talk about faith today. Uh, But before we get into that, I want to revisit something that I said in the introduction before we read the master text. And that's that the religious spirits hate this kind of teaching on faith and healing. And when I say religious spirits, I don't mean that in a positive sense. (laughs) Okay, if you're not familiar with that terminology, that's related to a passage in 2 Timothy chapter 3, where it talks about in the last days, people will have a form of godliness. 
but deny its power. They'll have a form of godliness, but deny its power. And folks, we're living in that time when demons of darkness try to deceive people into settling for their comfortable religious trappings, but totally miss the power of God. Just like the Pharisees of Jesus' time. So yes, those religious spirits hate this kind of teaching because it starts to wake people up to the power of God and the potential power that resides in each of you. So when that nerve is touched, the demons get agitated and start to stir things up. But I'm telling you today, I'm stirred up. I'm on a mission today, and it's to get you stirred up as well as well as to inject a little bit of faith in you. Praise God. And folks, listen, it's time to get stirred up in this season. Don't you think? See, these times won't allow us to play church anymore. Look, and these times probably also won't allow us to watch the clock so closely when we're in church because we are looking and hungry for a move of God. Not only in this country, but right here in this church Amen. and in our lives. Yeah. So you'll have to forgive me if I go a little, little long today, if I get a little long-winded, because uh, I tell you what, it's like a fire shut up in my bones today, and I may have trouble holding this back. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Now, when it comes to healing, I want to say two things before we launch into this teaching on faith. Now, I realize that there's some wacky ideas out there in certain camps that teach on healing. I realize that. But folks, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Okay? If someone is getting results in an area where maybe we fall short, who are we to throw stones? At least they're out there trying. At least they're out there getting a little bit of results. Okay? So let's be careful who we throw stones at. And, you know, listen, on that note, I personally believe that anyone who teaches that healing passed away with the first century apostles, well, that's just flat false doctrine. But some of those same people that believe that have some good things to say in some other areas. My point is that just because I don't agree with someone about healing or gifts of the Spirit or what have you doesn't mean I'm just going to chuck everything else. Okay? My, My goodness, folks. Uh, Let's stop shooting each other when we don't agree about something that's not even central to the gospel, for Pete's sake. You see, I can disagree with someone about how baptism is supposed to be performed or whatever and still embrace them as my brothers and sisters in Christ because, look, as long as we have the fellowship of the Spirit that preaches Christ crucified and there's salvation in no other, then you're my brother and my sister. But, you know... (laughs) I want to say this. There are some camps out there who won't give us that same kind of courtesy. There's one pastor in particular in California who I will leave nameless out of courtesy to him that says that people who believe in healing and gifts of the Spirit aren't even saved. Lord, help us. Folks, that's a wrong spirit. That is so divisive. It's so divisive. And by the way, the man who says this is known for his teachings on grace. But according to him, grace covers everything else except for believing in healing and gifts of the Spirit. 
Oh, people, where's the love of God in that? Where's the obedience in that to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace? See, the book of Proverbs says that one of the seven things that God detests is when people sow discord among the brethren. God detests that. So we need to be oh so careful. And by the way, just side note, that same, quote, grace pastor covered up incestual sexual abuse in a member of his church staff for three years. Same guy. And the only reason he dealt with it is because that staff person, when I say staff person, this was an associate pastor. The only reason he dealt with it is because that staff person got caught red-handed doing stuff inside the church building. That was, a, that was a, an associate pastor who was still pastoring for three years after all that came out. The senior pastor let that go on. Honestly, if that senior pastor were being judged by his own standards that he's judging other people by, like charismatics as an example, he needs to step down from ministry. But he's too busy condemning other people to think about that, I guess. Now, I don't make a habit, by the way, of... of pointing out opposing viewpoints. That's not my style. Uh, but when, it, when someone of this man's position is causing so much division in the body of Christ, that needs to be called out because that division discredits the gospel, ladies and gentlemen. But I digress. Secondly, let's stop trying to come up with our own doctrines just because we got disappointed or a prayer didn't get answered the way that we had hoped. Okay? Here's an idea. Let's stick with the Bible. <laughs> See, the bottom line is, on this topic today, there's nothing more emphatically taught throughout the Word of God than that through the atonement of Christ, both salvation and bodily healing were provided. There's not a single scripture that says that healing passed away or that God isn't willing to heal. Not one. But there's lots of scriptures that show that God is willing to heal. It is God's will to take away the sickness of those who serve him and to fulfill the number of their days according to his promise. So let's look at a couple of those passages right now. Uh, this first one is out of Exodus 23, verses 25 and 26. Let's read this together. So you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will... He will bless your bread and your water, and I will take away sickness from among you. No woman in your land will miscarry or be barren. I will fulfill the number of your days, praise God. In fact, did you know, a lot of people here may not know this. Did you know the very first promise that God made to a redeemed people was for physical healing? Did you know that? Let's look at that. This is Exodus 15, 26. If you will listen carefully to, to the voice, and I'm going to give you the timing of this in a minute, but let's, let's read this first. If you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes and pay attention to his commands and keep all his statutes, then I will not bring on you any of the diseases I inflicted on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord who heals you. Praise the Lord. Now, by the way, here's the point. That promise was made just after the Israelites came through the parted waters of the Red Sea after God had drowned the Egyptian army. 
So again, this was the first promise that was made after that happened. Now, by the way, an, an important way of understanding the Bible is something known as the principle of precedence that you see on the screen there, otherwise known as the law of first mention. What that means is the first time that we see something mentioned in the Bible, that provides the precedent for how we are to understand that same concept going forward as we read the rest of the Bible. So, it's noteworthy that God's very first promise that he made to the Israelites after being redeemed from bondage in Egypt was for physical healing. And that's just more evidence right there, folks, that healing is part of the redemption. This was a foreshadowing of what would be fulfilled in Christ. Praise God. All right, then, if that's the case, then, why are so many of God's people not healed? That's kind of the elephant in the room, isn't it? That's a great question. Well, it's very simple. You can't have what you don't believe for, and you can't believe for what you don't know about or that you never meditate on. See, if this is never taught, and in most churches it isn't, then faith never rises. See, remember, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And remember, everything that we get in the kingdom, I mentioned this in a previous teaching, everything that we get in the kingdom is obtained by faith, by faith. And the Bible makes it very clear that without faith, in Hebrews chapter 11, without faith, we can't even please God. And James chapter 1 says that without faith, that we can't even expect to receive anything from God. Therefore, God wants to get us past this beggar mentality into the mentality of faith. So that's why we're going to spend quite a bit of time talking about faith in this series and how to operate in it. Would that be okay? And let me add to that also by saying that the, another reason why some people don't see the manifestation of their healing yet is because they're still on a growth process in their faith. And folks, listen, that's perfectly okay to be on a journey of faith. God is patient with our processes, wherever we are. God is patient. So don't anyone feel like you're less of a Christian or something's wrong with you if you're still overcoming a health issue. Listen, that's okay. Don't give up. We're making progress in faith, which is the reason for this series. All right, so I want to define faith for you from a very fundamental level. What is faith? Well, in Hebrews 11.1, 1, I'm going to read the King James Version to you first. I'm going to look at this in several different versions because I just want to like drill this in your head this morning. So what is faith? Now, now faith, according to Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Not seen. That's what faith is. Let's look at that in the New Living Translation. Might bring a little bit more clarity. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. All right? Uh, the new uh, American standard. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And then the uh, God's Word translation Faith assures us of things we expect and convinces us of the existence of things we cannot see. One more. This is the Amplified. So the Amplified inserts extra little thoughts in there to kind of elaborate or amplify on the text. That's how the Amplified does it. 
Um, so it's a little longer here. It says, now faith is the assurance or the confirmation, a title deed of things that we hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of the reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Oh, I like that. Faith perceiving as real fact what's not yet revealed to the senses. See, all that a man or woman of faith needs is to know that God has spoken. Thus saith the Lord settles everything. It is written is all that faith needs. Listen, faith blows the ram's horn before the walls come down, not after. Well, maybe after too, but, but faith starts blowing the ram's horn before the walls come down. Praise God. See, faith never judges according to the eyes or what we perceive with our senses. It's the evidence of things not seen, but promised. Now, Faith can therefore be defined as perfect certainty. Perfect certainty. See, it's not based upon what you see, but on what you know by the Spirit through the Word of God. Is this making sense so far? All right. Now, again, just giving you some foundational concepts, some really elementary concepts about what faith is. Let me give you some obvious applications of faith, some really obvious applications of faith. First of all, We believe in a God who we have never seen or touched. We believe in a God who we've never seen or touched. For example, I know that I know that God is there, even though I've never seen him with my physical eyes or touched him with my physical hands. But I just know that he's there. And that knowing is the most elementary and basic form of faith. All right? So that's that's kind of kindergarten-level faith right there. Let's look at another one. We trust in that same God who we pray to. We trust in that same God who we pray to. So if I could give you a history lesson briefly to kind of illustrate this point. Did you know that the pilgrims came to this country sight unseen? They did it by blind faith. See, their purpose was to build a new godly society where they and their children wouldn't be exposed to so much degradation. And so they set sail trusting God to lead them. So that's another obvious application of faith right there is just trust in God. So again, I know that's really basic and elementary. I'm just kind of laying some groundwork. All right, here's the next one. We love God based upon what we believe he did for us. So folks, a person who's truly in faith will develop a love for God based upon who he is and what he's done. A person who's truly in faith will develop a love for God based upon who he is and what he's done. See, a person who is truly in faith, listen, a person who is truly in faith cannot stay cold spiritually. If you're walking in faith, you cannot, you might have seasons where you kind of get a little cold or stale, but you won't stay there. A person who truly is truly in faith cannot stay cold spiritually. True faith will ignite a fire in you. Hallelujah. Now, let me give you some not-so-obvious applications of faith. Here's one. Faith is believing something to be fact that is not yet manifest in the physical realm. Faith perceives or believes something to be fact that you don't see or feel or touch yet. Likewise, it's a confident assurance of the reality of something soon to be materialized from the spiritual, 
which is unseen, into the natural, which is seen. Are you, are you tracking with me? So faith brings the unseen into the seen. That's how it happens. You know, <clears throat> the Bible says that as many as touched Jesus were made perfectly whole, according to Matthew 14, 36. They were made perfectly whole. And we cannot touch God, so to speak, if we have doubts and reservations. See, like that woman who pressed through the crowd and touched Jesus, we have to elbow our way past selfishness, disobedience, unconfessed sin, lukewarmness, public opinion, traditions of men, and articles written against healing. Okay? We see we have to press beyond doubts, double-mindedness, even symptoms, feelings, and that lying serpent Satan and all who unknowingly speak for him. Even from some pulpits. I make no apologies for saying that after hearing... Anyway, I'm not, not going to go off on that. So uh, how important is living by faith then? How important is living by faith? Well, it's just a fundamental uh, mandate for every Christian, that's all. I mean, this is Christianity 101, folks. This is Christianity 101. Uh, let's read some scriptures related to that. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith, not... By sight. Amen. That's a mandate for every Christian. Uh, Habakkuk 2.4. The just, or the righteous, that's you and me, shall live by faith. That means anybody who's been brought into the family of God through faith in Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean you have to live perfect all the time. It just means if you have faith in Christ, that he's your savior, that you raised from the dead, you're walking with him, you've been forgiven of your sins, you're the just. So the just shall live by faith. It's not a one-time experience. You're supposed to live that way. And then Romans 1.17, For the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, and it's referring to Habakkuk 2.4 here, it's quoting, The just shall live by faith. I've given you three different examples of there, right there. How the righteous are supposed to live this way. It's not a one-time experience. You're supposed to live this way. All right, so let's look again at a portion of our master text. Let's uh, look at Mark eleven twenty-two 22 through 24 this time, just those few verses. Again, Jesus speaking, have faith in God, or actually better translated, have the faith of God, if you want to read the literal. That's, that's really how it's supposed to be translated. Uh, have the faith of God. Uh, Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you that if anyone says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and has no doubt in his heart. Ooh, that's a, that's a key verse right there, key phrase. Has no doubt in his heart, but believes that it will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe, once again, key word right there, believe that you have, present tense, received it, and it will be yours. Now, I want to ask a question again about these people who say that healing passed away. Did healing and miracles pass away with the first apostles? Well, I want to give you a super obvious point right now that apparently not a lot of people have thought of who believe that way. 
If faith hasn't passed away, then miracles haven't passed away. And folks, faith hasn't passed away. And faith is how we access miracles. If faith hasn't passed away, then miracles haven't passed away. Hallelujah. All right, then, what is the purpose of faith? Well, first and foremost, the most obvious application of the purpose of faith is that it enables us to access the free gift of salvation. Again, as I said in the ministry time, if that's all that faith brought is just free access to salvation, it would be so wonderful, it would be too great for words. We could praise God for all eternity for that particular benefit right there. But it doesn't stop there. Because faith gives us confidence in God's intervention when we pray. Thus, faith is the substance of answered prayer. It's the substance of answered prayer. And faith was given then for the purpose of seeing God's power manifest. Faith was given for the purpose of seeing God's power manifest. Well, are all of God's promises automatic then? Are they automatic? Well, let me ask you this. Does everyone who believes in God get saved? Obviously, no. Does, any, does everyone and anyone who prays always get their prayers answered? Clearly, no. So what's the common denominator? Well, going back to James 1 again, which is uh, that verse that I shared with you a week or two ago that we all kind of walked away with two black eyes once we read this. But, hey, we've, we've, got, to, we've got to take the, the corrective stuff with the fun stuff if we really want to walk in faith and get this. Let's read it again. He must ask in faith without doubting because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. I think that when we read a verse like that, we have to look in the mirror and say, okay, Lord, what needs to change? What do I need to do differently? Because we need to get that doubt out of our hearts and replace it with faith. Which is why we're doing a series like this. Because most people haven't been exposed to these kind of teachings. So it's impossible for you to walk in strong faith if you've never been exposed to this. And you know, do you know why most pastors don't teach on this? Because, okay, what if I teach on this and then we pray for people and nothing happens? Look, I understand that concern. I understand that fear. I get it. I get it. And I even had some of that reservation. It's like, oh, what if I teach on this and we pray for people and nothing happens? Well, you know what I'm doing right now is I'm taking a step of faith. That's how faith works. You've got to take a first step of faith. That's how faith works. Okay. Now, what's the first principle in receiving from God? The first principle of receiving from God is to know the will of God. Please write that down. The first principle of receiving from God is you've got to know God's will. If you don't know God's will, if you don't have confidence in his promises, you can't possibly have faith. Okay, so let's read a passage along those lines. 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15 say this. This is the confidence, or other, in other words, faith, that we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, there it is, he hears us. 
And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know, again, referring to faith, that we have what we have asked of him. Now, look, look, folks, here's the point. The power of God can only be claimed when the will of God is known. Well, you ought to write that down right there. That's not in your notes. You ought to just write that down. The power of God can only be claimed when the will of God is known. Because faith begins, faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith begins where the will of God is known. See, if it's not God's will for you to be healed, like some people think, then why do they even pray about it? If it's not God's will for you to be healed, why even pray about it? Because you can't get what is not God's will anyway. Clearly, we just read it in that passage right there. You're not going to get what is not God's will. Let me give you an extreme example of that. And I've, I've, this is an example I've actually heard people have made these crazy statements. Well, I just believe that so-and-so is supposed to be my spouse. God, God showed me that so-and-so is supposed to be my spouse. Now, never mind that so-and-so is married to somebody else. That prayer is not going to get answered because it's not, it's not God's will. You're not going to get what is not God's will. So if you believe that it's not God's will for you to be healed, that it's not God's will to heal everyone, and then you pray like that, God in some incredible mercy may heal some people like that anyway, but by and large, you're probably not going to get what you're praying for because you're vacillating. You're vacillating, and that's that vacillation that we saw in, in, in James chapter 1 that is talking about, that, that vacillation that leads to hope, that double-mindedness that leads, to, that leads to doubt, I mean, that leads to doubt. Okay, so again, you, you, you can't get what is not God's will anyway. Um, so you see, most people pray in hope, therefore, they don't pray in faith. And in order to pray in faith, you've got to know what God's promises are. So on that note, let me read you another passage along those lines. Proverbs 40, verses 20 and 22, and we're going to dissect this and learn from this. It says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and ah, health to all their flesh. Now, There's three essential elements in this passage which are the methods for obtaining results from the promises in God's word. First, there must be attentiveness to God's word. Attentiveness to God's word. Again, verse 20 in this passage, give attention to my words, incline your ears to my sayings. Secondly, the word must be before your eyes regularly. Regularly. Again, verse 21, do not let them depart from your eyes. Third, there must be meditation on God's word, even memorization. Again, from verse 21, keep them in the midst of your heart. That's what it's talking about. Meditation on God's word, memorization on God's word. Uh, King David wrote, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. He's talking about being being exposed to it all the time to the point of memorization and even quoting it out of his own mouth. So, you see, God's way of saving the soul, healing the body, and doing anything else that he wants to do is to send his word, his promises. The the promise is then materialized wherever it's responded to in faith. 
in faith. You see, the divine procedure in healing is stated in one, Psalm 107, verse 20, where it says, He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. Praise the Lord. I want to say something kind of radical right now. Some of you may actually get a little uncomfortable with this statement or actually get mad at me. But this is biblical. I'm going to show you how it's biblical. God responds to faith more than he does desperation. And I'm going to give you an example of that right out of the Bible. There was a Syrophoenician woman who approached Jesus in desperation one time. And she had a a, a demon-possessed daughter. And because she was not from the region of Israel, um, Jesus didn't even answer her, which seems a little bit, I don't know, rude. I don't know. He didn't even answer her. And to the point where she kept calling after Jesus, she didn't give up. There was some tenacity there. And then the disciples said, Jesus, send her away because she keeps calling after you. And, and she kept, she said, Lord, um, my daughter. And, and so finally, um, Jesus said to her, it's not right. Now listen to this statement. It's not right to take the children's bread. He's talking about the Israelites. Jesus was called to minister to the Israelites. It's not right to take the bread from the children and feed it to their dogs. What? Jesus said that. What was he doing? I think he was testing her. Because he was right. He was called to, to minister to the, specifically the, to the Israelites, and then they would take the gospel later on to the whole world. But I love her response. She said, but yes, Lord, but even the little dogs get to eat the scraps from beneath their master's table. And then Jesus said, daughter, for that response, you can go your way because your daughter's well. What did she do? Her faith was tenacious. She would not let go and take no for an answer, even from the Son of God. And Jesus finally relented and said, ah, I saw faith in that response. So because of that faith, you can go your way. Your daughter's healed. You got what you came for. Praise the Lord. So God responds more to faith than he does even desperation. I know that's a radical statement for a lot of people. And uh, if, if you weren't so nice, I think that some people would probably throw in tomatoes at me right now. For, for that statement, because there's a lot of religious mindsets out there that say, how dare you say that God doesn't respond to desperation? I just gave you a scriptural example of that. Clearly, he did not respond to the woman's desperation. He responded to her tenacious faith. That's what he responded to. So folks, look, if you have an illness or a dysfunction in your body, why in the world would you not meditate on the word of God regarding healing until you get a revelation of it? As it is, people will put up with so much discomfort in their bodies while they watch three hours of TV a day and piddle away their time on social media. And folks, listen to me. That is not going to get you healed. It's not. 
You have to incline your eyes and your ears to the Word of God. Be attentive to it. Praise God. And there's so many people who have sicknesses in their bodies, even people who say they believe this, who can't even quote one Bible verse from memory on healing. Not one. Yet they say they're believing for healing. I like what Pastor Keith Moore says about people who say, well, I tried that faith stuff and it didn't work. He says, no, honey, faith tried you and you didn't work. (laughs) You see, God's word works when we properly work God's word. And and listen, again, it's okay to be on a faith journey and learning how to do that. It's okay. I'm on that path with you, too. I'm still learning and growing in this area. But we have to prioritize the Word of God in our lives more than anything else. It's got to be more important than even our necessary physical food if you're going to get results in the Word of God. You know, there's so many people, folks, that I'd love to help. But honestly, faith works better when we put our faith together. It's tougher for the person praying if you're not bringing any faith to the table or at least very little. Jesus even experienced that. Let me, let me give you an example out of Mark chapter 8, as a matter of fact. Mark chapter 8 records that Jesus healed a blind man from a village called Bethsaida. And it says that he took that man by the hand and led him out of the village, where he then ministered to him outside of the village. And even then he had to minister to him twice in order for his healing to be fully manifest. Now, that's a really interesting story because if you look in Matthew chapter 11, Bethsaida was one of the villages and towns that Jesus called out and said, woe to you. He said, woe to you, Bethsaida, because if the miracles that have been done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon and Sodom and Gomorrah, they would still exist today. But you didn't believe Even when the Son of God had had come to you, you didn't believe. So he said, woe to you. So obviously Bethsaida was a place of great unbelief. It was a culture of unbelief. So Jesus, when he saw that man, he had compassion on him and took him by the hand and led him out of the village. And even then, there was, so, there was enough unbelief still clinging to the guy that it's the only time in Scripture that the Bible says that Jesus had to minister to someone twice in order for their, mani- their healing to fully manifest. Only time. And then once he healed him, he said, don't go back into the village. Isn't that interesting? A place of stark unbelief that Jesus said woe to, took the man out of the village to get him healed, had to minister to him twice to to get him healed, and said when he got him healed, don't go back. Didn't want him to go back to that that environment of unbelief. So our environment, folks, the, the, the church that we choose to be in, is so important for the environment of faith that you're bathing in. Uh, And I realize that America at large is a a culture of stark unbelief. So we've got a work cut out for us. And when you combine that with the stark unbelief in most churches that never even touch this topic with a 10-foot pole, then of course you're not going to walk in faith. Of course. But yet we've got plenty of faith for salvation because that's been preached all over the place. Praise, and praise God that it is. Praise God that it is. Because when you hear that preached, people respond to it. Praise God they come into the kingdom of God. Praise God. But it's never been preached as the package deal that it is 
that healing is part of the redemption. You see, I think God wants more than four or five people in the room to walk in strong faith, folks. Remember, um, in 50% of the cases where Jesus healed someone, he said to them, your faith has healed you. He did. 50% of the cases where Jesus healed someone, he said, your faith has healed you. Not my faith, your faith has healed you. So I want us to be a church where all of us are walking in strong faith so that any one of you can be out and about on the street and see someone who's sick and put your hands on them and speak life into them and see them recover. That's what I'd love to see. That's what I'm praying for. I'm praying for a move of God in this church, a move of faith in this church, a wave of healing in this church. And I believe we are moving toward a day where we will see more of that happening, not only in this church and this culture, but around the world. As the darkness gets darker, the light of God's going to get lighter. And I believe we're, we're entering a season. We're going to see a lot more of this. <laughs> Praise God. So look, if you're living with something, a physical issue that you can't live with, why aren't you in the word of God day and night regarding healing? Why aren't you fasting and praying more than you're watching TV or playing video games or piddling on your smartphone? Why aren't you turning off the radio or your music streaming service and listening to hours of teaching on this subject? Remember, we live in a culture of stark unbelief. So you've got your work cut out for you and breaking out of that to reaching a level of strong faith. Remember, as I said last week, if you're inclining your ear to the world more than you are God's word, you are going to be carnal. And if you're carnal, it's more difficult to believe God for healing or anything else for that matter if you're carnal in your thinking. Now, don't get mad at me, folks. You know, I know I'm bashing on cell phones and social media and that sort of thing. But look, I'm just trying to get us to a place where we rise up to a new level of faith. That's all. See, we have to incline our ears to God's word. And when we do that, it's life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Hallelujah. Now, this is an interesting quote. I like this, but I think it's very accurate. It says, grace is God saying, here is all the good stuff I have to give you. Faith is you saying, thank you, I'll take it. And that's what salvation is. Jesus came to you with a free offer offer of salvation. He said, here's the good stuff I have to give to you. And faith was just you saying, thank you, I'll take it. I received that free offer of of, of salvation, and you came into the kingdom as a result. And that's the same way we get everything else that's promised in God's word. Praise the Lord. I heard someone say that, that I would pass dozens of churches and drive two hours one way to find a good church that taught faith if I had to. It's that important. It's that important. I like what Pastor Bill Winston from Chicago says as well. I love this quote, and th- this kind of stretches us a little bit. He says, the supernatural takes us past the impossible, through the unbelievable, and into the ridiculous. As God is bringing you into this supernatural, he's bringing you into the place where the supernatural is no longer an option, but it's going to be a requirement. And folks, I think this was prophetic. He said this many years ago. 
I think this is prophetic because, folks, listen, what are you going to do if you can no longer access medicine? Did you know that there are hundreds, maybe even thousands of doctors and nurses around the country right now who have quit practice over this whole COVID vaccine thing? Did you know that? And now there's all kinds of doctors who are just dropping dead suddenly after they've taken their third or fourth COVID vaccine booster. What are you going to do if you can't get good medical help anymore? Uh, What are you going to do if you contract some deadly disease that medicine can't help anyway? And did you know that there have been nearly 100 food manufacturing facilities damaged or burned to the ground in this nation in the last several months? Someone is trying to bring on a famine, it appears. What are you going to do if you can't go to the store and buy food anymore, medicine, etc.? What are you going to do if all you have is faith? Well, in, in God's kingdom, that's enough. Because Jesus said, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe, believe, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Now, every Sunday in this series on healing, I want to do a healing testimony to end the service. And Jennifer has agreed to come up and give a little healing testimony. So Jennifer, would you come on up and share that? And then we're going to close it out here in a minute. The greatest healing, the greatest healing I ever had was many years ago when I was in my 20s, late 20s, early 30s, and I had uh, uh, hyperthyroidism and Graves' disease for 15 years practically. And I just had a long talk with God one day, and about three months later, I went to the doctor, and he said, "You don't have Graves' disease; you're in remission." I said, "I'm healed," and it's been that way ever since. Um, When Pastor asked me to do this, I wrote this. I was moving a heavy piece of furniture when an old ice skating injury that kept me out of work for three months kicked up and my rib popped. I think it's a rib that pops out of place momentarily, but then it's swollen and very, very painful. I have done this several times and it's very painful and uh, and it's very hard to breathe. As it happened, I grabbed my side and an audible loud no sprang forth. I began to rebuke the onslaught of issues that come with this and began to praise God and thank Jesus for complete healing. It was a little tender that night, but I slept well and the morning brought no pain, as if it never happened. Praise God. Yeah. Um, I I had a, uh, the reason this happens, it happens pretty frequently, but um, um, I had an ice skating injury and I had a little six-year-old kamikaze come at me from the side and it ripped, I don't know if it's tendons or muscles or whatever away from my back and I was out of work for like three months. And so there's some issues there, but praise God, I don't worry about it. Yeah, praise God. Hallelujah. And we've got several other Great, great testimonies of God's healing. And so I'll be talking to somebody. If you've got a healing testimony, by the way, that you want to share and that I haven't heard yet, would you please approach me with that? Because I know that that would encourage the congregation. Uh, Pam's 
uh, testimony last week I thought it was fantastic. So, uh, you know, we've got a, a lot of really dramatic testimonies like that. So if you've got one that you want to share with me, please come and uh, talk to me after service and uh, let me know. And if you want to share that, I would love to have that. Um, so we're going to pray right now and uh, we're going to dismiss the service. Um, you know, w- one of the things I, I plan on doing, as I said, we're going to have a, a healing service uh, where, you know, I, I, I'm going to give a teaching and then we're just going to ha- we're just going to lay hands on people and pray for people. Uh, but you don't have to wait until we have that service. I mean, sometimes, you know, you can have faith rise up right in one teaching. Now I'm laying some groundwork, and we're going somewhere with this with this series, and we're gonna we're gonna consummate um, in a few weeks when I get done, and hopefully there's gonna be enough faith that rises up in you that when we have that healing service, well, I know that we're gonna see healings in that service. I mean, like I said last week, I, I taught on the laying on of hands. That was one teaching. Like six people in here got healed that day. And, and I didn't administer it. You administer it to each other, which means that you have the power of God, if you're walking in faith, to administer healing wherever you go. It doesn't have to be a minister. You, you can do it. Um, but in the meantime, I mean, if, if If faith has risen up in your heart today and you say, Pastor, I've got faith to be healed and you have an issue in your body and you want to be prayed for, I'd be happy to pray for you today. Um, So, but I'm going to close down the service now. But if anybody wants to be prayed for after we dismiss, I'm going to be up here and our our, uh, prayer team will be up here and we will pray for you. And listen, if you've been prayed for before uh, about the same thing, it's okay. Because remember, I just gave you an example of how one time even Jesus had to minister to a a certain person twice before the healing was fully manifest. So sometimes healings can actually be progressive in nature. So even if you've been prayed for before about the same thing, you want to be prayed for again, I'd be happy. We'd be happy to do that. Um, But we're going to dismiss the service right now. And if you want to stick around for some healing, uh, for some um, healing ministry to be prayed for, or anything else that you want prayer for. That would be absolutely delightful to minister to you in prayer. So let's stand. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Andy Robbins and Blessed Life Fellowship. For more teaching and ministry resources, go to the church website at www.blessedlifefellowship.org. Thanks for listening and may God's grace and favor shine on you.